You are listening to audio from Citizens Church, Elmira. You can find more resources and learn more about our church at citizensalmira.ca. Citizens Church, for all the visitors here this morning, we're glad that you're with us. I really had as I am second fiddle today, but that's, that's okay, you know. Um, we had a solo, we had a great production. I don't think Rachel is in here, but just... Big thanks to Rachel and the crew for kind of, this is hard to pull this together, right? All these kids and everything, so she did an amazing job, and uh, we're just glad that you're here with us this morning uh, on this Christmas Eve, and uh, I'm going to read our scripture reading. If you have a Bible, you can look at it, or it'll be on the screen here. It's found in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14, which we actually heard a little bit of already this morning. Verse 8 says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased, with whom he is pleased. We have been, for those of you who haven't been with us all month, for those of you who are visitors, we've been going through the Old Testament stories as a church. So in early December, starting with creation and God coming onto the scene with the earth and the universe and everything, and, and slowly building up to the story of Christ's arrival. And now here we come this morning and we've finally made it. We've made it to the day before Christmas where Jesus has come onto the scene. And one thing we've seen from the beginning of the story, right from the first chapters of of Genesis, the, the early story here, is that God has been communicating with us. God has not left like questions or even like what is he up to along the whole way God has been communicating and throughout the Old Testament story we've seen that God has communicated in different ways God has used his prophets to communicate his message to his people in preparation for what's coming God has used the events of history all kinds of different events that God has orchestrated and he has been behind. And as we look back at his acts, the things that he has been a part of, we see he's actually doing something on the global scene. But then also we've seen here, and this is what we do on Sunday mornings, is we look at his word through his revelation to us. God has revealed and has spoken to us a message of hope and a message of Christ's arrival. And so here we come now to our passage this morning, and the vehicle for communication in the context of the story is this angelic message, the message that these angels gave that we just witnessed here on the stage. 
It begins by saying there is an angel of the Lord, a, a special messenger. Um, if you're familiar with biblical stories, maybe you're familiar with angels like Michael or Gabriel. There are a certain category of angel that God has designated special work for them to do. And so when we come onto the scene here, the angel of the Lord comes and speaks. But then right after that, it says there's a host of angels that come. And that word host literally means it's like a, like a, a, a regiment or a, a group, like an army, this mass army. So it's hard for us maybe to imagine it, but in the sky over the shepherds was this host that just filled the sky. So this was not just uh, you know, a little note, not just a little uh, bit of communication. The message that was coming at this time, at this point in history, was one of great significance. God pulled out all the stops to, to give this message to the shepherds here. Something really special was happening here. Now, we might think, especially at this time of year with Christmas, of um, special guests coming over to our house, and so we bring out, like, the best stuff. So maybe you've got this uh, planned in your mind already. Maybe you're, you know, you're really ahead of the game, and all the details are set. The family is coming over. Maybe someone special is coming, and so you've got, you know, the, the best meal, or maybe your most favorite meal prepared, or it's in the freezer ready to go. Maybe you've even got some special dishes that they just come out. You know, these are like grandma's dishes or whatever. I don't know what they are, whatever you call them, okay? There's something special because special people are coming. The event is special. We're going to bring out the best. This is actually a little bit the opposite. The audience here is actually nothing super special. Now, I'm not trying to dog on shepherds here, okay? So if you're a shepherd in the room here, I'm not down on you, all right? And, and God is not down on the shepherds in the narrative here as well. But the shepherds, honestly, were just like regular, lowly, working, probably at that time, pretty stinky guys out in the field. So the audience is actually not the super special thing that is bringing out this angelic host. What has brought out the angels and the angel of the Lord is actually the person behind the message. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, has come onto the scene. And so now God says, okay, angel of the Lord, angelic hosts, this is such an important message. Go on the scene, tell the shepherds that the, the Lord has come. The Lord is coming. So the, the message itself that Jesus has come is the special announcement that draws all this attention and brings all this pageantry from God himself. And they come with a promise of peace. Look again at verse 14, the last verse that we read. This is the message that they have. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased peace. We all long for peace in our lives, in the world. I'm guessing nobody here is kind of sitting thinking, I can't wait for like a fight to break out over Christmas break, you know, for the kids to fight over the, you know, this new, I'm just waiting for that moment, you know. 
No, we're all like, we're all longing for peace in our lives. And here the angels come with a promise of peace. And yet we live in an age where peace seems more elusive than ever. This week I was looking up the headlines, and this was a headline from NPR News. It says, With war raging in Gaza, Christmas in Bethlehem has been canceled. There's going to be no Christmas in Bethlehem this year because of all that's going on just in that one little area of the world. And so here we are again in almost 2024, right? We're just a a week away from 2024, and here we are again where our world is filled with wars and violence. And I don't know about you, but up until like six or seven years ago, maybe even the last three or four years ago, many people were kind of thinking, we're beyond the age of wars. You know, like our grandparents, they would talk about the great wars, World War I, World War II, Vietnam War, Korea, all those wars, yet we had like a touch of it, of the Middle East War in the 90s. But now, here's the thinking, and, and many of us have thought this. We've, we've kind of grabbed this myth in our minds. We are modern people. We have like progressed beyond that. We're smarter now. We've got all kinds of things, computers in our pockets. We can now like figure this out. And if there's going to be a war, we can through precision and through technology just kind of solve it. And what we've discovered now with the arrival of the pandemic and with the arrival of global perspectives rising is that we've actually come into a world now that is much more war-ridden than many of us would have ever expected. So we live in 2023 with wars in Ukraine and Russia, Israel and Gaza, and then the ones we don't even hear about in Sudan and in Myanmar and in North Africa. These conflicts going on all around us. And you know, it used to be like, I, I would be worried about, um, you know, have you seen the, the robots that kind of go around? My worry was like, there's going to be robots with guns on their backs. That was my worry, you know, robots walking around. But we're still living in the age of trench warfare and wars where thousands and thousands of people are being killed. 2023, this is still present in our day. And for those of us in, in the Western world, so North America, uh, Europe, again, we're thinking we're beyond these things, and, and yet there's, there's no conflict happening here, but we are living in a uh, world of political unrest where division is so strong, where many of us are wondering, okay, around the Christmas table, I just hope that that one topic doesn't come up. Because we know that we are like all on edge. Just this conflict is, is simmering beneath the surface. Peace seems so elusive, yet we long for it. But it's not just the, the global trouble that we are experiencing or visually seeing, but it's also personal conflict that is within our own lives. 
I put this picture up here. It's kind of a funny picture. It's actually a picture of my grandparents. Okay, that, the couple on the top left are my Oma and Opa. They look like 1950s happy, eh, don't they? This is like, this was from a newspaper clip. They were um, missionaries for most of their adult lives. And so all the, these people, these are their kids around the table. Those are all my uncles and aunts. And life was super simple for them. They did not have a lot of stuff. They were, you know, they didn't have a lot of wealth. They didn't have much at all. They, were, they didn't have, they had so little that if you can see this, my, the two young boys here, there's not enough chairs in the house for them to sit down, okay? So they're eating supper, and like the two youngest drew the short straw, and um, everyone else is like, you're, you know, perfect height. You just, just stand and eat, okay? Um, because they just didn't have a lot. And yet there they all are around the table. Here's the myth that we have taken, that we have believed. And that was that we, again, as modern people, if we just have better and more stuff, happiness will come into our lives. We don't need uncle, whoever that is, I don't even know who that is, standing. They all need chairs. Buy them chairs then they're going to be happier. And we buy into this myth that the more we have, the more we can purchase, the more we can provide for a little Johnny over there, the happier life is going to be. And what we've discovered is that now living in 2023, with living in our society, and I hope you're thankful for it, I'm thankful for it, living in a land of prosperity and wealth, what we've discovered is Increased anxiety, increased fear, rates of suicide and depression like have like almost unheard of. And so we, we buy into this myth that we can actually make peace on a global scale somehow, that we can solve this through technology and through all kinds of things, and that fails. And then we can solve peace in our own hearts. We'll just like get more. We'll just earn more. We'll figure this out. And what we've discovered is peace doesn't come that way. All we experience is more brokenness and more anxiety. The last bit of conflict that we experience is, is maybe more uh, subtle, but it is a divine conflict. It is the conflict that we actually have experienced with God. That we as people were made to live and to experience fulfillment in life by experiencing a whole and good relationship with God. And yet what we discover in the scriptures is that Romans 5 says it this way, that we are enemies of God actually. That we are born as sinful people. We grow up sinful and that sin makes a break between our relationship with God. And that broken relationship between us and God affects all the experiences of the life that we live. So there is a divine conflict that exists. And it's not just like um, different groups kind of, you know, uh, God's over there, I'm over here. Just It's kind of like, I don't know if you... If this was your experience when you were in high school, there was different groups. 
When I was in high school, there was different groups. There was like the punks that were over there. There was like the skaters over there. There was like the athletes. There was all these different groups. And everybody was like, you just stay in your pocket and we'll stay in ours and we won't kind of bump into each other and there won't be any problems. Okay, that was kind of how it went along. That's not how this divine conflict works. This, the word that Paul uses in Romans there is that we are enemies. We're actually enemies of God. It's not just like we're in one category and God's in another. And if like, if I don't bump into his category and he doesn't bump into mine, everything's kind of going to be okay. This divine con conflict actually means that there is open hostility between one another. There's open hostility between the two groups. So that between my life and God, there is hostility. And so into this very reality, this global, personal, and divine conflict, the angels come onto the scene. Remember? The angels have come. There is a message that they are proclaiming. They're all out. Angel of the Lord is here. The hosts of angels, the skies are filled, and they've got a message to say to the shepherds. The miracle of Christ's arrival has come. The incarnation. God has been put in the flesh. He is here now. And they say, the reality of peace now has come through a person. Through Jesus. Societies won't figure it out. People won't figure it out. God has come on the scene. So in Isaiah chapter 9... This prophetic word about Jesus. It talks about a future peace that is coming. It says this in chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Of the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So Isaiah gives a prophetic word. He says this is what the coming Messiah Jesus Christ is going to do when he comes on the scene. He is not only going to bring peace. You can see that there in the, in the verses. He's going to bring peace, but he's actually going to be the prince of peace. He's going to rule over peace. So he's not just going to come onto the scene and try to figure it out. And he's going to be like maybe the smartest to be able to do that. That's not what he's going to do. He's coming onto the scene and he's the prince of peace. He rules over peace. He alone is able to bring full and good justice into this world. He alone is going to be the wonderful counselor. All these promises that are going to be coming and they're going to be brought together in the person of Jesus Christ. But it's not only for a future arrival of these things. It is a present gift that people can actually experience. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus puts it this way. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is what Jesus says when he's here. He says, this very peace, and he's not quoting Isaiah, but he, that's who he is, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. He says, that's who I am. And now that I've come here to be with you, I'm going to give that to you. You can actually experience that peace. So, so when I said before, we long for peace, it's a true statement that we long for peace. We want it to come into our lives. And here's what Jesus is saying. You can experience peace through Jesus. You can experience peace in your life through Jesus. So, how can Jesus bring this peace about? In three ways, Jesus actually addresses all these different areas of peace in the world. The first is a, a more future-looking peace, and that's because Jesus is God. That allows him, that he is enabled to actually bring peace on a global level. So the global peace that we all long for and we wish that it would come very soon is something that we cannot solve as people, something that societies cannot bring. We can try our best and it'll come for seasons, but it continually unravels. And those of us who are, have lived long enough have experienced the different various seasons of kind of peace and lack of peace. And so on to this scene, Jesus says, I can actually do that on a global level. So in Luke's gospel in chapter 1, when the person of Mary discovers that she's actually going to bring into the world this Savior, it says this, verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. The angel is telling Mary there, he's saying, listen, that Jesus, the one who's coming, the one who will grow in your belly, Mary, is going to be unlike any other. He is God in the flesh. He has risen and has resided with God, and now he is humbling himself and coming down. And he alone is the one who is able to do something like bring peace on a global scale because it's only God who can do that. So we celebrate his arrival because he is the one who can bring peace, something that will be lasting, something that will actually spread throughout the world. It's this promise of peace for the nations. Something that we long for and yet have not experienced yet. Christ alone is the only king who can bring peace. So, how can Jesus bring peace? Because he's God. But second, this. Because he is human. So there is a transcendent side to God. That he is transcendent meaning like he is just, you know, he's over the universe he is creator of everything. Colossians says that he holds the whole universe together. But then here we see now, Christ comes as a baby. He comes into the most weak and intimate form of human being. We've all held a little baby before, right? I was 
holding a baby the other day at our missional family. It didn't last long because the baby started crying pretty quick, okay, because I can't provide everything that the baby needs. But I was holding the baby just for a little while, and this tiny little beautiful child, and you think, here is God of the universe who has come now to be a little baby, to be in the form of human weakness. God has come so that he can experience and show us peace in this world. So Christ came into the world as a child, and he, he lived, he grew up, and he served. And there's a story in John 13 where Christ comes to the disciples, and he shows them. He says, this is what a servant looks like. And he starts washing all their feet. He goes around, washes their feet, and then he comes to Peter. And Peter I want to wash your feet. So Jesus reaches out to wash it. And what does Peter do? Peter's like, no way. Not in a million years. Because Peter knows in his mind that if Jesus is God, how could he do what he's doing right now? How could Jesus wash someone's feet? And yet Jesus washes their feet. And after he does that, he says, listen, You've just seen what I did. I served you. I washed your feet. Now you go and do likewise. So Jesus comes onto the scene and he serves us. He enters into our world. He experiences the joys of the world. He experiences the pain and the trouble of our world. So that, get this, so that we can actually reflect even on our week. Think about your week. The things that happened. Maybe it was a good week. I hope everybody had a good week. But maybe it was a week that was kind of hard. And there were some difficult things in it. Those very experiences, some of the, the thoughts and the emotions, those are the very same things that Jesus himself has experienced. So that he identifies and understands what we go through and has given us a promise now that as believers in him, when we put our trust in him, we can actually experience the peace that he experienced on this world. Now we can try and muster it up ourselves, but Christ is saying, through me, you can experience this personal peace. And thirdly, Christ is able to make this peace possible because he came to die in our place. This beautiful baby that we celebrate and on Christmas we really think a lot about his arrival and how wonderful it is, but he came for a very specific reason. He came to actually die on the cross in our place. So we have been studying from early December the story, and we know that from the very beginning, sin enters into the world and causes this rupture in relationship with God. And now here comes Jesus into this divine conflict that exists between us and God. And Jesus now comes with a very clear purpose, to die on the cross in our place. But his Death would not be a death that was final. For those of you who are believers, you would know that Christ dies on the cross. He's in the grave. And then God's satisfaction 
on this sacrifice is shown through the resurrection. Jesus is not left dead. He is brought back to life. So the, the greatest conflict is not actually the global conflict. It's not actually the personal conflict that you feel. The greatest conflict is actually the one that we experience between us and God. And that took the greatest sacrifice to bring resolution, which was Jesus Christ himself. So this Christmas season, as we enter into all the, all the joy and the wonder that this season brings, and I hope it's filled with food and with joy and with time with family, but at the same time, may it cause us to ponder and to wonder at the great and glorious gift of Jesus Christ who is able actually to bring peace in a very practical way into our lives. The, the global peace is coming someday, but the personal peace can be experienced today. And the divine resolution, the, the being brought back together in relationship with God, is also an experience that we can have through trust in Jesus Christ. Global, personal, and divine peace. There's a song that many of us are familiar with called Silent Night. Uh, I, th I think we'll sing it probably tonight at our Christmas Eve service. But uh, Wren Collective does a version of it with a refrain, which I have been listening to a lot, which is just a, a wonderful song to remind us of what Christ has done. So Silent Night goes like this. Silent Night, Holy Night. I'm not going to sing it. Okay, I'll just read it out here. Shepherds quake at the sight. Glories stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. Christ the Savior is born, and Christ the Savior is born. And then this is what the refrain says. Be still, my heart. Be still, my mind. And may I still see the magic of that silent night. Fill me with wonder. Keep mystery alive. May peace on earth be my song tonight. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this amazing message from these angelic hosts. God, we thank you for this Christmas season. And Lord, we pray that we would experience the joy of this season in a deeper way than just the food and the family, as wonderful as those things are, as great a gift as those are. Lord, we pray that today you would give us a, a real experience of your peace in our lives so that when the difficulty and the hardships of life come, because they always do, we pray that we would be able to anchor our souls into something that's greater than our own intelligence, than our own capabilities, into something that is eternal, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his great name.